Welcome to the Roxborough Church Podcast. For more resources and information, visit RoxboroughChurch.org. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. Good morning, church. Good morning. I'm very excited. I'm very thankful. Um, 14 months ago, I would have never expected this year to be as formative, um, as exciting and as um, teachful. I've learned a lot in this past year. And so these past 14 months have been amazing. And it's uh, because of this church, it's because of people uh, that are part of this body that have really welcomed me with open arms uh, that this year has been so amazing. Uh, And so with that being said, I'm very thankful for the opportunity to preach today. I'm very excited for this opportunity um, to be coming from the word. And uh, so we're just going to go ahead and and jump right in this morning. This morning, we're going to be in Matthew 15. And uh, in order to, t- to fully understand our story today, and to f- in order to fully understand our narrative, uh, we need to understand the background. Um, so in order to do that, we need to look at chapter 14. So we're going to start in Matthew 14. Um, and when we look at Matthew 14, uh, these are maybe the, the two most um, referred to narratives when it comes to faith. Uh, and so these two narratives that we see are the first, the feeding of the 5,000. Um, you know, Jesus and his disciples, uh, they're teaching, they're healing um, 5,000 people. Uh, the day comes to an end, and the disciples, they say, Jesus, we need to send these people home uh, so they can eat. And Jesus, uh, he, he says, oh, oh, why do we need to do that? We'll just feed them here. And the disciples, they look at him uh, like he's crazy. I think of, like, uh, you know, the, the memes where, you know, the shocked memes. Sorry, I guess we're not going to get that one. But I think of uh, just the shocked face and the disciples uh, may have had, and they, they may have been saying, like, well, what are you talking about, man? You're crazy. And Jesus says, you don't know who I am. Um, the next we see is, is Peter walking out in the water. We see uh, Jesus is walking in the water, and Peter sees him, and Jesus says, come on out. And Peter, he takes one step, he takes two steps, and he begins to fall. The, the doubts become... Um, reality. And he begins to fall in the water, and Jesus, he walks over, and he pulls him out, and he says, you have so little faith. Um, we're, we're 14 chapters into Matthew right now, and uh, after 14 chapters, the disciples have been with Jesus for quite some time, uh, and yet they still don't truly understand who he is. And so this morning in Matthew 15, uh, we're going to look at verses 21 through 28. Uh, so if you have your Bibles, uh, I encourage you to open them up. Matthew 15, uh, verses 21 through 28. And uh, in the, you know, Pastor Ray way, why don't we just go ahead and give an amen when we get there. <laughs> amen, amen. Once again, Matthew 15, verses 21 through 28. And it reads... Then Jesus left Galilee and went north to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Gentile woman who lived there came to him pleading, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David, for my daughter is possessed by a demon that torments her severely. But Jesus, he gave her no reply, not even a word. Then his disciples urged him to send her away. Tell her to go away, they said. She is bothering us with all of her begging. Then Jesus said to the woman, I was sent only to help God's lost sheep, the people of Israel. But she came and worshiped him again, pleading, Lord, help me. 
Uh, Jesus responded, it isn't right to take food from the table and throw it to the dogs. Uh, She replied, that's true, Lord, but even dogs are allowed to eat the scraps that fall beneath the master's table. Uh, Dear woman, Jesus said to her, your faith is great, your request is granted, and her daughter was instantly healed. This, this passage is uh, it's powerful. Uh, it has some wow factor to it. Um, I mean, uh, did I read it wrong? Or did Jesus Christ, the Son of God, um, the perfect man, fully God, fully human, uh, just call this woman uh, a dog? That's what, that's what I took from it the first time I read it. I said, what? Um, this isn't the Jesus that I know. This isn't the Jesus that I've grown to love and to, um, this isn't the one that, that I know. And so when I read it the first time, I was, I was shocked. I knew that I had to do some digging because this isn't who I was taught who Jesus was. This isn't the one that I fell in love with. This isn't the one who found me, at least I thought. Um, and so if I'm honest, and I'm, I'm honest, I'm hesitant to share this with you. The first time I read it, I read this and I was like, man, is, is Jesus a prejudiced man, because that's what it seems like in this first few sentences, um, and that's not the case. That's not the case, but if we look at the context, and that's what we think, we see that this is a woman, and during this time, we have to understand that women um, were looked at as, in a lot of ways, unequal to men. Um, their value was not equal to that of a man, um, and that's, that's not who Jesus is. Um, we also have to look at the fact that she's Canaanite, uh, or Gentile. Uh, she's not Jewish. She doesn't follow the Jewish traditions and beliefs that, dis- that Jesus and his disciples do. And so the first time I read this is, uh, you know, in my mind, I'm like, is Jesus saying, whoa, woman, like, you're not right for me. You're not my type. You're not the people that I came for. He says it in the text, I came for only the lost sheep of Israel. Now, I don't believe this is what Jesus thought whatsoever, but if we go back to chapter 14, we saw how the disciples didn't understand who Jesus was. And so right here, right now, I don't believe that that's what Jesus thought, but I do believe that is what the disciples thought and felt. And so Jesus saw this grand opportunity to teach his disciples what they hadn't learned in chapter 14. And spoiler alert, they never learn it throughout the entire book of Matthew. They don't truly understand who Jesus truly is, and we won't truly understand ever either. But with that being said, Jesus, he basically sets the volleyball up for the woman to just spike in the face of the, in the, face of the disciples, yes, to teach them that anyone and everyone can come to Jesus Christ through faith. And so that, that is what the disciples learned. That is what Jesus taught them. But there are three characters in this story. Um, we have Jesus, um, we have the disciples, and we have the woman. And so we've already learned that anyone and everyone can come to Jesus Christ through faith. Um, but, but what do the disciples teach us? Um, what we can learn from the disciples is, uh, if you're taking notes, I, I encourage you, these are the ones I would like you to, to write down today. Uh, so the, the first point is to tear down the walls. Uh, oftentimes, we as people, uh, we as creations of God, oftentimes we block other creations of God from us because we are uncomfortable, um, because they might not be like us, whether it be um, skin color, whether it be political views, whether it be socioeconomic status. Sometimes when we see people that are different from us, we grow uncomfortable. 
Uh, and it might not just be people. It might be situations. It might be um, problems within our life. Oftentimes we put up borders or barriers to just say, oh, I'll deal with that another time, or I'm not going to deal with it right now. And, and that's what the disciples did here. They said, send her away. Get her out of here. Uh, she's bothering us with all of her begging. Uh, now, I once, uh, I put up a wall. Uh, and, and I can relate to the disciples in this way. Uh, when, when I was in high school, uh, as I was a member of a youth group, and my junior year of high school, uh, to give you some background on this as well, youth group was a time for me. Uh, it wasn't a time to learn about the Bible in my head at the time. It was a time to play basketball. It was a time to play video games. And it was a time to meet girls at youth group. And that is what I viewed youth group as at the time, right? <laughs> and so uh, one day, my junior year of high school, this group of uh, young boys at the time, they were, they were freshmen, they came to our youth group, and uh, the, the youth pastor's wife, she dubbed them the Hill Street Boys. They lived on Hill Street in my hometown, and there was about eight of them. Um, they all lived in this house. Um, two of them were brothers, but their parents basically let in these other kids. They lived at the house. They had some, some problems, and she let them stay at their house. And the Hill Street Boys, they came in my freshman year, and they were probably uh, the weirdest group of, of individuals I'd ever met. They were loud. Um, they were annoying. And, and they went to a high school we called um, Wall Trash. It was called Wabash High School, but we called it Wall Trash. We were, we were mean people. We shouldn't have been at youth group. Well, we should have been at youth group. We, we needed to learn things at youth group instead of just playing basketball. Um, but we, we are at youth group, and, and they come in. And uh, I remember vividly, I said, this is my comfort zone, and y'all are coming in. Um, and it wasn't because of these borderline things that I found uncomfortable. It was truly because I had grown up in a different situation than they had. Um, like I said, a lot of them had home issues that I had never dealt with. A lot of them didn't know their parents. A lot of them struggled with things I had never even heard of. And I was uncomfortable with that. Uh, and so, uh, like we see in this passage, uh, I put up a wall. I said, I'm not dealing with them. Um, and so in a lot of ways, like we see Jesus doing in, in this passage, I, I ignored them, and, and I belittled them. Um, and, and it's funny how God works, because when I put up a wall that junior year of high school and blocked them out of my life, uh, my friends did the same thing to me. Uh, and, and that was probably one of the toughest seasons of my life. Uh, I, I remember my, my parents didn't really know how to comfort me during that time. I would be at home and, and not really know what to do with my time. Um, I, was, I had all these friends, then out of nowhere, my friends were like, we're done. We're not dealing with you anymore. And as I was in that time, um, I remember it was a December night. It was a weekend. I get a text message from one of the Hill Street boys um, named Travis. And he texts me, and he says, Danny, do you want to go to Pizza Hut tonight? And, and you have to know this, too. I, I lived in a very small town. Pizza Hut was the go-to spot. Oh, Pizza Hut, it had everything. It had the, had the wings, it had the pizza, it had the sandwiches. Pizza Hut was the spot. And he texted me, and honestly, um, if I wasn't in that um, state, if I wasn't in this sad nature of my friends putting up this wall, I probably would have said no. Uh, but because I hadn't really been around people in a long time, and someone wanted to hang out with me, uh, yeah, yeah, Travis, I'll, I'll go. Uh, but knowing Travis and knowing his situation, I knew that that probably meant I'd have to pick him up. And I probably have to pay for the meal too. But I went anyway. I said, I'm going. And I show up to pick up Travis. And another figure uh, from the Hill Street Boys, another uh, one of the Hill Street Boys, he's at the door. And he says, Danny, may I come along? 
his name was Austin. And so I say, yeah, come on in. And so we get in the car, we go to Pizza Hut, and after probably 100 wings, um, <laughs> right, uh, we, we get back in the car, and I drive them back to Hill Street, and for some reason, somehow, they convinced me to go into the house. They said, Danny, uh, come on in, come hang out. And I knew that I didn't belong there. I knew that I had been rude to those people, and I knew that I probably wasn't welcomed there. Uh, but for some reason, I felt the nudge to go in. And I went into that house, and uh, as I said, Levi and Elijah, they, they were the two brothers who lived there. Their parents owned the house. As I walked in, Levi Robinson, uh, he looked at me, and he said, Danny Goff, what are you doing here? And I looked at him, and I said, I don't know. I, I think I'm here to hang out. And Levi, he looked at me, and he said, I am so glad that you're here. And that, that changed my life. Um, when, when he said that and when he welcomed me, he showed me that anyone and everyone deserves a chance. Um, those Hill Street boys, they ended up being some of my best friends. Uh, those guys, they helped me move into college. And, and actually, some of them, they, they stayed with me for a whole semester of college just because they didn't want to leave my college house. Um, they, they became lifelong friends. Uh, and so this morning, I encourage you to tear down the walls because those people that you are blocking, uh, those cr other creations of God, they might teach you something amazing. Uh, and, and those boys taught me, like I said, that anyone and everyone deserves a chance. So point number one, uh, tear down the walls. Uh, I, I guess an encouragement on top of that, I encourage you right now to recognize uh, those people in your life who you are blocking. Uh, it, it might be a family member. It might be someone at work. It might be uh, someone uh, that happened years ago. But I encourage you to tear them down. I, I think the second character uh, or the, the last character in this passage that we can really uh, learn from is, is the woman, of course. Um, one of the most impactful things that I learned in college um, was a single sentence. A single sentence that I've carried since I heard it. Um, and it's everyone wants change, uh, but most people are unwilling to pay the price for change. I'm going to say that again. Everyone wants to change, uh, but most people aren't willing to pay the price for change. This woman, she wanted change. She wanted to change the fate of her daughter. Uh, her daughter was being tormented severely, and she said, uh, this needs to change. Uh, and what did it cost her? Uh, borderline, if we look at it, it cost faithfulness. Uh, faithfulness is what it cost her. Uh, but that faithfulness, it, it cost something too. And, and so this woman, I, I want you to imagine, she comes to Jesus, she comes begging, pleading. I, I imagine her on her hands and, her, and on her knees saying, Jesus, son of David, help me, help me. Uh, I want to go back to that context that we were talking about earlier. Uh, we have to recognize that, once again, uh, she's a Canaanite woman. She's a Canaanite woman. She knows who she is. She knows, she's lived in the world for some time. She has a daughter. Uh, she, she knows how people treat her, and she knew uh, what it would be like approaching uh, a group of men who, on the socioeconomic status, are a lot higher than her. They're, these are famous people. Um, she wasn't dumb. Uh, she was willing to be uncomfortable to make this change happen. Uh, I wasn't there for this narrative. I, I didn't get to see it in person. Um, but if you can imagine this, um, 
Uh, can you imagine what was going through her mind, how much courage it took for her to go and to do this? Um, I can't imagine myself being that courageous, but I look at a narrative like this and it gives me hope. It gives me courage to, to be like her. Uh, this woman was faithful, but I, I can almost guarantee you that she wasn't comfortable in, in that faithfulness. This wasn't a comfortable thing. Uh, and so the, the second point is faithfulness over comfort. Uh, one of the first sermons I actually heard here, I was sitting right here, and it was um, literally, I, I don't remember, but the one thing I think uh, that stuck out to me most, I still remember sitting right there, it was, uh, we're called to kingdom work, not comfort. Uh, we're called to kingdom work, not comfort. So faithfulness over comfort. Um, 14 months ago, uh, I graduated college. I, I, I didn't know anything about the world, but I graduated, and I still don't know much about the world, but I graduated, and I was, I was happy, um, and I felt like, for some reason, God was calling me here. Um, and when I first felt that nudge, <laughs> in a lot of ways, I was like Jonah when he was called to Nineveh. I said, Philadelphia? <laughs> Philadelphia, God, are you sure? <laughs> Uh, I grew up um, in the same place uh, my entire life. I, I never left. Um, I went to college 20 minutes from the house that I grew up in. Um, so when God called me to Philadelphia, 10 hours away from what I knew, uh, from my family, from my friends, uh, from, from the reality that, that I knew, uh, I was uncomfortable. Um, but I knew that God was nudging me to come and to say yes. Uh, and I knew I needed to be faithful to that. Um, this woman, uh, like I said, in a lot of ways, I think Jesus, he, he's all-knowing. He knew that this woman was going to be faithful through everything that was happening in this narrative. Um, but she continued to be faithful even when it was hard. Um, and she continued, she said, Jesus, you're the only one that can help me. Um, faithfulness isn't comfortable. Uh, but I'll tell you this. When I was faithful to that calling and I came here, like I said, this has been probably the most impactful year of my life. Um, I've been blessed abundantly more than what I ever expected. And I guarantee this woman, uh, I don't know if she expected for her daughter to be healed. Honestly, I don't think she did. Um, but she knew that that was her only hope. And she was blessed abundantly more than she expected. And so church, because of you and because of your open arms and willingness to accept me here, uh, I've been abundantly um, blessed, and I thank you for that. Uh, Fourteen months ago, I would have never expected to be blessed in these ways, um, but I thank you for that, and I thank you for welcoming me with, with, with such open arms. And so this morning, um, I encourage you to put your faithfulness over your comfort. Um, this, this church will forever... Um, be imprinted in my heart. Uh, it's something I will carry for the rest of my life. And so I thank you for that. I'm going to pray for us. Heavenly Father, uh, just, just thank you. Uh, I, I come here today uh, just a, a weak man, but, but through you, uh, I, I, I can be strong. Uh, and through people uh, that are a part of this church, uh, we as a body can be even stronger. And so, God, I thank you for the open arms of this church. I thank you for the open hearts and the loving um, souls that these people are, Lord. Uh, I ask that moving forward you continue to bless them, you continue to guide them, and you continue to, to lift them in everything and everything that, that they do. Uh, and so, God, I thank you once again for this opportunity. I thank you uh, for the chance to advance your kingdom work. Uh, in your blessed and heavenly name we pray. Amen.
Thank you, church. It's a uh, it's a special it's a special time in the life of the church, and and it, we're just in a in a very unique we're a very unique church, and so I want to um, acknowledge that and celebrate that with everybody who's who's out there who's following along online and everybody who's here with us today. Over the last almost ten years that I've been here leading the church, we've had a chance every summer to um, to deploy people back into uh, their their temporal or their permanent callings. Um, vocationally, m many of them back into schools, but uh, some back into uh, vocational calling. And uh, as we try to count and think about it over the last nearly 10 years, um, there's more than a dozen people who have come out of our ministry and have gone on to vocational ministry. It's pretty amazing. And uh, we may never know the, the extent of the impact that that has for the kingdom, but we can believe in faith that God is going to use every one of those men and women to win many for the Lord. And so uh, I want to invite you to share in this special moment with us as uh, today is Danny's last day and we're celebrating. Danny, um, I, you'll, you'll, you'll need to go back and look at the notes that we posted on the, on the uh, online service because we were talking about the fact that you were, um, the, the reasons why you went to youth group. And uh, I was laughing about that because now you're going to be the youth pastor who's going to have students who are going to youth group or, or club or whatever it's called at, at your school and they're going for those reasons and you're instructing other reasons and then someday somebody's going to stand behind a microphone and they're going to share a testimony about how your willingness to allow them into that space for all the wrong reasons your willingness to allow them into that space changed their life so then I want you to invite you back up here we're going to, uh, we're going to pray for you and I want to kind of commission you off if, uh, if not for quarantine, all the elders would be here with you and they would be laying hands on you and praying with you. You and I have broken quarantine enough that it's okay. Um, I think I said that on live camera, sorry. Um, but, uh, but Danny, you are loved. You are loved by God and you're loved by the people of the church. And so this is a, a prayer of thanksgiving with a heart that's heavy, but celebrating. So let's pray. Father, the plans you have ahead of us, while not fully yet known, are ones that we believe are right and good. And this young man standing to my left is, is a child of God first and foremost, but beyond that is, is kin to us in the faith. His faithfulness in leading here in the life of this church over the last 14 months is second to none, and we thank you for that, Lord. God, I thank you for the clear calling you have on his life. First, to be your child. Then to understand your, 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 uh, your desires for him. And then to be a communicator of that love and compassion to others. So God, we pray that his time here, while he said it was formative, we pray, God, that it also, Lord, was a time in which he was equipped he was readied, that the, the training ground uh, was well used. And that now, he is, as you send him off, you deploy him into vocational ministry. God, we, we believe, Lord, that that is an extension of what you've done with him here. So, God, we just pray favor over it. God, I pray that he would meet young people who are zealous for you and young people who aren't yet zealous for you. I pray, God, that he would be contagious with his faith the way that we have seen him and experienced him to be here. 
God, I pray that many people would come to be able to say, share a testimony like Danny did today about the, the, the Hill Street boys. Uh, God, that, 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 that many people would have testimony like that of uh, the way that Danny and, and the folks in his ministry at Youth for Christ invited them in. And as a result, they're standing behind a microphone and in front of a church and they're, and they're teaching and they're, they're, they're sharing in their workplaces and they're sharing on their streets and folks who live in their, their houses and on their campuses and everything else, God. God, I pray that many a year from now we'll all look back fondly and be able to celebrate the ways in which you've matured us during this time. So, Lord, as Danny's been saying, this isn't goodbye. This is kind of like a, hey, I'll see you later. Uh, but it is with excitement, with hope, and with a sense of desperation that you would do what only you can, that we commission Danny into your calling to go and serve with Youth for Christ and uh, the, the young people in Indiana but to do it with a heart that is mindful and celebrating that in which he leaves behind here in Philadelphia. And whether our lives ever cross again in, in person, whether it's virtual or it's text or whatever that looks like in the days ahead, God, might we be able to know we run the race together, sharing a call to reach the lost. There's none that we'd rather deploy out knowing that they're faithful, ready, charged, and called by you than this young man. So, Lord, would you bless him? Would you keep him? Would you make your face to shine upon him? And would you give him an overwhelming sense of your peace? In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, as we continue in this time of worship, I want to invite you to, to connect your heart. One of the things we would do if we were gathered with us in person, and those of us who are gathered here in person, we invite you to as well. During this time and as we lead into this song is to, is to think intentionally about how you might give into the ministry of the church. Um, for those who are here in person, we have a box you can drop your gifts in today. And for those who are online, we invite you, as uh, Marcus puts up the, the option, go ahead and click that button and make that donation right now um, that you be able to give and be a part of the ministry that God is doing. God is doing great, great things. And it's not in spite of you, it's through you. So join with us as we celebrate what God is doing and as we give our gifts, our tithes, and our offerings. Praise the Lord, everybody. Praise the Lord, everybody. I just want to say that I, one of the things I love about God is how his love is unfailing. He loves us regardless of anything that we could have said, done, and he just love on us anyway, and he love us into his own self, into his family, into the body of believers. So we want to invite you to just join into the family of Christ. We open up the, the doors of the church, our arms, our love, our hearts to invite you in to this family of believers so that Jesus Christ can come into your heart and cleanse it and fill you with the Holy Spirit. 
and then join in with our ministry so that we can help edify you in the word of God. Pray with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for the words that were spoken today. We thank you for the preach word of God. Father, we ask that you will continue to be over this ministry, in this ministry. Continue to help us to reach the people of God, to edify the body of Christ. And Lord, we thank you for your ever presence in our lives. And as the day unfolds, Father, we ask that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit will be with you all. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to our weekly podcast. We pray it was life-giving. To find out more about us, visit our website at roxboroughchurch.org and join us for worship on Sundays at 10.30 a.m.